Welcome to Death Holler, the place of haunted hearts and haunted homes. We welcome you to Death Manor, the home that boasts the most ghosts. Come on in. We've been expecting you. Take a look around. You might see someone that you recognize. Do you hear those voices? That's just the Reverend Dr. Death and La Arena. They're so happy to see you. Sit back and relax. Make yourself at home, your new home. And remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you enjoy the show. So it's been a while, Urena. What's going on? A whole lot of freaking nothing, really. Uh, I have some, uh, some, I have to confess so we've been we haven't been able to record for a minute because the internet has been very wonky in this room. Just this room. It's a ta- it's haunted, you know? It's a it's yeah, a possessed it's, it's studio. It's been proven on many of our podcasts that you've got the otherworldly issues going on in that place. So we do. But the problem this time was actually me. Maybe not me so much, definitely my computer, which ties in with one of the movies we watched today. Just a little bit, just for a split second. We'll go over that. But Okay, so we couldn't get the internet to work specifically on my computer. And it's not an issue with my hubby because they record in studio. So there's no communicating across the states. There's just They're just in here. They're recording. It's no big deal. It's streaming. Great. But you and I will have issues if the internet is not perfect or at least mostly perfect. Yeah, so yeah. it turns out that the issue wasn't our internet. It was my computer. Oh, wow. It is not so, accepting the, uh, I think it has gone full lesbian. It's not accepting the male end of the uh, <laughs> Ethernet cable. And uh, it, it, it just it just kind of sits in there and floats around, you know, like a hot dog down a hallway. <laughs> so that was the majority of our issues. We were like, we cannot figure out. It feels like our Internet's fine. Uh, I am now recording from my husband's computer because uh, his will accept the male end, you know, like God intended. Actually, that's not how God intended. This is, whoa. What are we talking about? What? What? Huh? Huh? Where are we? What, so, what yeah. just happened? Which sucks because I actually uh, fucked up a really, what, excuse me. I did not like my audio at all on Star Wars from the back to tank. You guys said it didn't sound too terrible, you know, um, and I appreciate that. But I was like, I never even sent my audio. Mike just ended up using what he had and I felt pretty sucky about that. Listen, it was still fine. I mean, I don't know if you, if you're like me, I've listened to a ton of audio from quote unquote professional, you know, podcasters and YouTubers. And it sounds like the recording on an iPhone in a, a very large bathroom and an airport. I yeah. Mean, that's what it sounds like, you know, so. Which can be pretty decent audio. And hey, if the content's good, you know, you're just like, <laughs> yeah. I, I can get past this possibly, probably. Um, but other than that. Scary wise here in the holler, I, the hubs and I have been watching, excuse me, the hubby has been watching and I have been witnessing. Let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, he watches these scary shorts. I want to say they're on Netflix or YouTube, not Netflix, YouTube, for sure. YouTube. He recommended those to me. I need to get to watching those. Yeah. And some of them are really good. And some of them are really horrible. And when I say really horrible, not even attack of the bees worthy horrible. In my opinion, (laughs) I don't really get an expert opinion. I just get an opinion. 
<laughs> so, and those have been really good. A lot of zombie ones, a lot of, um, well, I can I think these kind of tie in together, but post-apocalyptic zombies, okay. and, you know, those can really kind of tie into each other. Um, They're easy to do on a low budget. It's the the thing about those movies. Oh, definitely. So, so and those have been pretty good. So I like like I said, just witnessing those, I get a little bit of enjoyment out of them, and that's it. That's all I've been doing. Well, I just literally yesterday watched two different horror films. Um, well, technically, they're they're in that vein. Uh, the Northman by Robert Eggers. Oh uh, yeah, it's. I wouldn't call it a horror film. It has horror elements. Uh, Supernatural, fact, maybe. Stuff. Yeah, it's 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 an it's an Viking epic, is what it is. It's literally like I mean, you're listening to a you know like a Viking skald or something like lay down this vengeance tale of of this uh, uh, king who was denied his throne or something or to that effect. So I mean, that's what you're watching, but. The, the supernatural element is weaved into the movie as if it's real. Like there's no, like there's, uh, I mean, they treat the magic as if it's a real thing, like the prophecies, all that stuff. Like there's no element of it that's just like, oh, well, that's just, you know, horse shit. And this guy's just, you know, going around doing his, you know, everyday thing. I mean, they, they weave it all in there. I mean, there's even, you know, there's even a couple scenes with Valkyries in the movie. I'll just put it that way. So, I mean, Ooh. there's, it's, it's, <clears throat> you know, definitely got that element to it. And there are, it's the violence in it is pretty well done. I got to give Eggers credit. I mean, I told you before we came on this, that he had this post or he had this statement he made while he was doing the red carpet for this, you know, movie where he said that he's embarrassed by the witch now or the vivage as we called it, uh, which aggravates me. And I know it pisses you off to a certain extent. No, yeah. Um, because it's one of those things where it's one of his first movies and, He's kind of just going back and saying, well, I've grown since then that, you know, and that sort of thing. But he definitely shows an improvement. I got to give him, you know, despite the fact that I don't, still don't like that statement because you all, you got to start somewhere. And I feel like that movie is still great. He definitely shows an improvement in all the aspects of his filmmaking in the Northman. I mean, the camera, the way he utilizes it, the scenes, like the, I mean, just the, the way he films is, is, and the, the atmosphere and the lighting, it's all better in this movie. So he's definitely progressed since the, the Vivage. Well, and, okay. Then I'll allow him to say he's embarrassed, but why not just say I've grown, I've learn because yes exactly that's what he should say instead of saying oh well that's a trash movie which i mean that's not exactly what he said but that's basically what he's implying yeah. and it's, it's, it's how you took it movie. too it's how i took it and i was like <laughs> sir that's not fair you have now a few years of experience under your belt you have a way bigger budget for the northman we'll go over that and you have uh i mean and you've got an actress and anya taylor joy who is grown in her own oh abilities. yeah and not only that, but you have now got Willem Dafoe as one of your regulars. Like he's just like we talked about with, uh, you know, some of our previous directors that, that we discussed how they kind of collect their favorite yeah. actors they've worked with. Willem Dafoe is now in Robert Eggers lineup. Like he's been in several of his movies at this point. <clears throat> Little Anya uh, Taylor-Joy, ATJ as we shall call her. <laughs> she has a job for life with Eggers. She's actually going to be in his next film, which uh, I think is uh, a remaking uh, of Nosferatu, which oh, is going yes, to be yes, amazing. Yes. So, but yeah, it's uh, the Norseman. It's worth watching for anybody. I mean, even if you just don't, the Viking thing doesn't really do it for you, but you're kind of into the horror elements and some of the, 
I mean, just the recreation of the time period. Like he does such a great job at that stuff. I mean, like he that was one of the big things with Levivich. He you know went so much into the deep minor details of that time period, and he does that again with this one. You know, around 900 AD, give or take. So yeah, um, I'm gonna give a shout out to one of our favorite podcasts that we listen to. Um, well, it's quick. Cr- cr- <laughs> <laughs> apparently I, I lost my ability to word um a critique revolve which is on rain man digital one of the networks where you know we've we've learned a lot from them on how to podcast and still have year light years to go before we become at their level but they did a review of the northmen and my feelings were like a tide they were ebbing and flowing okay i was like yes i want to see this movie sounds like a snooze fest yes i want to see this movie Ooh, am i gonna like that um and then you and I discussed. I said, hey, you watch this movie and you use what you and my husband have discussed about me in films and determine, would this be a movie I would watch? And you said that there, you thought that there was enough supernatural and action that I would stay interested. It's told in chapters. So even Ooh. if you start to get kind of bored with the chapter you're in, wait. Okay. Because it's one of those things where... The you know, there's one chapter where it's just showing him and Anya Taylor Joy going into slavery in the film. That's kind of you know an aspect of it, and that's a little that's probably the only part of the movie that I would say is on the slower side, even though they do show the brutality of the time period. Yeah, but then, like, if you wait, like, the very next chapter is The Night Blade uh, Feeds, which that that title itself, you know, yeah, okay, that's cool. You know, what am I looking at now? So um, but that it's kind of, it, it, I mean, it's a long movie, but it's, I was going to tell you, it, it's, it's not just a you know, meal. It's a feast. Like when you're watching it, it's like, it needs every bit of this runtime to be able to do what it, it does. I mean, to get the story out. Um, I've heard complaints about the Batman, which I've also watched. I don't know if we brought this up on the podcast, but the Batman does kind of linger in its last act. Um, I wouldn't say that about the Northman at all. Like you need that, you need every bit of this movie for it to be what it is. Yeah, and I'm hearing people saying that they're that they have left it open for possibility at least one more movie, um, and that they want it. Like they, they're like we we almost need it at this point. If yeah, I mean the way that they end the movie, it would go in a different direction for sure. But they they could go in a and I mean it, it does lend itself to a to a sequel to yeah. an extent. So I'm actually yeah. So having heard what I heard through, you tell me movies are good all the time, and I'm like, eh, you know, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Um, but having heard multiple different people talking about it. Um, I'm definitely interested in seeing it, seeing it, even I can make it through long movies, despite what a lot of viewers, probably your listeners think of me. So, <laughs> um, the other movie that I've been wanting to see that I finally just broke down and bought because it was, um, on theater at home on like, uh, I think voodoo was uh, you won't be alone. Uh, oh, yeah. it's kind of in the same vein as the Vivich, or at least that's the way it was being sold. And like the, uh, Rotten Tomato scores like through the roof for it. So I wanted to kind of see what that was about. I wouldn't list this as a horror movie either, even though it does have horror elements. I mean, it is, it's set in a certain time period in, in, in Macedonia, like the rural outskirts. It's like, um, it's the basic gist of the movie is that an evil spirit slash hag that lives in the forest and they call her the wolf eateress or, 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 or the wolf eater or something like that. 
uh, they she basically pays a visit to a woman at the beginning of the movie and then gets promised a child upon it becoming a maiden uh, or 16 years old, basically, because it was either that or she eats the child, and that's what the mother does to kind of forestall the inevitable, as it were. And then the rest of the movie follows the child once she's kind of grown up, um, and she kind of goes under the witch's care or the hag's care for a while, and it's it's interesting in the sense that it's more of a movie about somebody trying to learn how to be a human being than it is uh, in a horror movie, if you want to think of it that way. I mean, there's there's it's more of a I don't know it's kind of a drama if it is the way I would describe it because you you got this person who's tr- uh, literally been locked up their entire life to try to save them, quote unquote which might have connotations for COVID if you want to go that route, but whatever. <laughs> um, and they don't know how to function, and they basically get a, another lease at life using this evil magic that the hag has, and it's like them trying to figure out what a human being is and why we treat each other that way, and it's kind of interesting from that perspective seeing somebody who's not technically you know, of the mix trying to figure out, well, this is how women treat or are treated. This is how men are treated. These are how children are treated. You know, this is the society as it functions. That's kind of the movie you're getting out of it. Uh, but of course it does have like a hat, you know, this burnt hag who like, you know, eats the guts of like whatever yeah. creature she's going to turn into, including humans. Um, and I don't, I mean, it's got those elements, but it's not real. I wouldn't call it a horror movie. And another reason you wouldn't like it for sure is that it's completely subtitled. There's not Ooh. a minute of it. That's not. And, uh, it, like I said, it's, it, there's, this one has no action in it. I mean, other than the few scenes of where somebody dies, you know, randomly, but yeah. it's literally like somebody looking in from the outside, trying to figure out why humans act the way we do it actually sounds very interesting shockingly i know but if you guys recall (laughs) i watched the vivich and there was like no action in that if anything that movie was a slow burn but i think visually and what you imagine in your mind was enough to create enough excitement for me to keep going in that film we rated it pretty decently um and this sounds vivichy in a sense it is to an extent, but it doesn't. It doesn't build up horror. It's more like it's literally you're sitting there just realizing how shitty people can be to each other. Yeah. And then, but then at the same time, learning the the positives of humanity through the eyes of this girl who's basically been locked up all of her life. You know, that's that's yeah. You know, to give away the first few minutes of the movie, her mother takes her to a supposedly a sacred cave that the hag can't enter. And like leaves her there literally and comes in daily just to feed her and will not let her out of it for the first 16 years of her life. So she is completely unsocialized, hmm. has no idea how to even function, and she has no voice. I think it doesn't really say in the movie, or if it does, I missed it. I think when the witch does what she does at the beginning of the movie to mark the child, she keeps uh, it, it damages the kid's vocal cords like she can't speak so she's like basically mute. she stole her voice i'm just kidding yeah yeah and she's basically mute and she has no idea about anything outside of the cave that she spent all of her life in literally okay you give your unofficial score of it and i will give my unofficial thought score of it I rated it a four on Voodoo. Wow. Like it's, it's, it's it's a good movie for what it is. <clears throat> I mean, it's an interesting movie, but it's not like, I mean, it's not it's not one that I would say is a perfect, like, I'll go back and watch this. The, the Northman, five out of five. Watch it as soon as you can. And 
buy whatever Blu-ray or, you know, HD, you know, 4, 4K version comes out for it. What are those? No one in this house has seen a <laughs> DVD or anything in, oof, at least I've a decade. I recently got back into collecting uh, physical media because I don't trust any of these uh, streaming services oh. not to shit all over us. So except for, for Shudder. Shudder. We're still looking for... Uh, we're still looking for uh, sponsors. <laughs> we have one more slot available for you if you want to sponsor us. <laughs> okay, well, I'm not going to unofficially score The Northman. I really want to watch that. Um, so, you know. What do you unofficially thought score this, uh, you won't be alone that I was discussing? Snooze fest. <laughs> Absolute <laughs> snooze fest. Um, I, would, I would like to witness it. So I'm going to tell my husband about it. He's going to want to watch it. He's probably going to love it. It sounds right up his alley. And then I will, looking up from the book that I'm currently reading, will witness it. Maybe. (laughs) There you go. Uh, And you'll miss over like a ton of it because you'll be sitting there hearing whatever. I I guess it's a a Greek or whatever. Italian, whatever they're speaking. And you'll be like, and then you'll see like random snippets of whatever they're saying in subtitles. Yeah. You know, I don't speak Spanish. (laughs) Um. I was going to discuss, though, before we uh, answer the door, because I think there's somebody here. I wanted to ask you a quick question. Given today's topic, do you think they should bring back the schlocky uh, scare tactics of of the old castle films back to movie theaters where they like swing like a shitty skeleton across the, the, you know, the, the theater at the time that a skeleton appears on screen or have you wear goofy ass glasses to see ghosts and all this, uh, you know, that sort of thing. It's hard to say because, you know, I'll I'll talk about it, obviously, when we review the film. But you have this film, and then you have 13 Ghosts. And wasn't there something similar in that film? I could be wrong. The glasses in that one. Yes. Because just like, you know, in the, the, new, the remake, they, they also had glasses in the old one. And supposedly, whenever the, gla- the ghost came on screen, put your glasses on, yes. you'll see them in front of you, you know. <clears throat> yeah, so... um. I don't know. I don't want to answer that yet. We need to answer this after reviewing. Okay. Well, I hear someone at the door, so hit the music. We'll let them in. esteemed guest i don't know if my evil incarnate co-host invited you all here to pay witness to my presumed death this evening but i can assure you won't be me that dies before the sun rises oh but where are my manners i am your host the reverend dr death and joining me as always is the aforementioned serial killer la urena how are you urena planning on another drowning or some poison this time around no la urena is not up to that because you know it just seems that Things are just happening all around, and I did not invite the guest. I thought it was you, but maybe um, it was my haunted computer, my haunted think, uh, lesbian computer. I think your haunted lesbian computer is definitely what did this because these are none of the people I had on the list. So. I've never seen these people, and I don't know who they are. <laughs> if you hadn't guessed this episode, we're visiting our good friends in the house on Haunted Hill. Uh, I'm told that if we survive the night, we will receive a very nice sum of money. 
uh, somewhere between 10k and a cool million uh, million depending upon which source you listen to uh nothing to it right just survived the night in an old mansion and slash insane asylum until morning and we're rolling in the dough a fake uh, haunted mansion <laughs> but what was that sound just beneath us why are the caretakers so adamant to be gone from this place after dark well, this is the mystery we're going. We're about to unravel in our discussion of both the 1959 William Castle produced original and the 1999 Dark Castle remake of House on Haunted Hill. First, some podcast business. If you're enjoying this podcast, we would appreciate it if you would take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Yeah, and shout out to Denmark. Next. We're, we're, we're like on the charts in Denmark. Did you notice Finally. that? No, I didn't see that. Okay. So before it was Slovakia, right? Or wait, was it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, that's what it was. Okay. And then now we're on the charts in Denmark. We were in the top 100 for horror film reviews. And I'm like, how <laughs> can we get at least in the top 1 million in like Apple podcasts or Spotify? Can we get so in, in America? In America, look at not that we do not appreciate you folks. Okay, thank you so oh, much. I, I definitely appreciate another country that can barely understand my accent. So there you go. That's great. Yeah, that's true. They probably think I have some funky accent too. Like Ugh. <laughs> that 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 ginger. Well, they'll know you're a ginger. <laughs> well, they do yeah, now. Like, they do now. Uh, uh, but they don't, they, they don't even know you're a honky. They just know like we sound different. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah, living up in these hills, these hill jacks. <laughs> the hills. The haunted hills. <laughs> the haunted hills. Okay, okay. I'll stop. I'll stop. I'll see myself out. <laughs> well, before we get into the discussion about the, the haunting hill, or, well, no, that's not the movie we're talking about. The house on haunted hill. I'm doing what you did the last time. <laughs> it's going to um, happen the whole podcast. I just know it. It is. Uh, and there's a reason for that. We're going to discuss that, too. Anyways, uh, how about an attack of the bees? Oh, I suppose. What is that? What is that? What is it? Oh, no, not the beast! Not the beast! Ah! I'm losing my eyes! I can't wait for that new movie. I was just going to say that. I, I cannot wait for this movie with Nicolas Cage playing himself. It's it's Nick Cage Inception, and, I, and I, I'm here for it like, all day. <laughs> um, anyways, the Attack of the Bees we're discussing is... Uh, Deep House, the 2021 film directed by Alexandria uh, Bustillo and uh, Julian Mari. Uh, principal players, we have Camille Rao, who plays Tina, the enthusiastic diver slash smart, uh, uh, one, uh, smart one in the movie. She's uh, also in real life a French model. Um, I say smart one because she's got the good sense to get out of a fucking hellhole haunted house whenever she sees it. Unlike her... Uh, you know, uh, co-actor in this film, uh, James, uh, Jagger. Yes, that is Mick Jagger's son, uh, playing Ben, uh, the diver slash tech enthusiast and slash idiot in this movie. Um, he's been in a couple of movies, actually knife's edge and sound of violence, uh, kind of strange. And I, it's weird too, because I didn't catch that he was Mick Jagger's son watching this. So he apparently doesn't look enough like his dad, which I guess is a good thing, depending upon how you feel about Mick Jagger. But yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look at a picture of him now, though, to kind of do my own. 
James Jagger. Okay, anyways. Um, the um, Also in the movie is uh, Eric Savin, who plays Pierre. He's the antagonist that kind of sets everything in motion. We have uh, uh, Carolina Massey playing Sarah Montanac. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from Eastern Kentucky. I'm not going to pronounce this right. So creepy ghost girl, uh, Alexis surveys playing uh, Mr. Montanac, uh, who's an undead cultist slash serial killer. And finally rounding out the, the sparse cast is Anne uh, Clayson's who plays Madame Montanac, the also an undead cultist. Ooh. And basically the uh, synopsis is, and this is the, this, the, basically the, the gimmick with this movie is it's a haunted house, but it's underwater completely. It's like, it was a house that was like buried at the bottom of this lake, uh, whenever they filled it in. Um, but lured by the story of a perfectly preserved house at the bottom of a lake, two amateur divers investigate the remains of the structure only to find more than they bargained for. Um, the story, although sparse is, uh, pretty neatly told as the couple, you know, investigates the, the house. Uh, it's, really sold on the setting though just kind of seeing this creepy uh, extremely well-preserved house and you know like as they're going through it investigating and kind of find finding more and more like weird creepy things that the previous you know owners uh had in it uh is you know kind of adds to the atmosphere uh and you've got more of a you've got more of a sense of urgency in this movie because they set off at the beginning of the movie that they do have like just a limited amount of time, you know, on their uh, like air uh, canisters uh, before they have to, you know, leave. And um, that kind of gives more emphasis to, you know, like whenever, you know, the idiot, as I call him, um, uh, ben keeps trying to, uh, you know, it's like, well, let's just go back and investigate the basement, this creepy basement where there's like two perfectly preserved bodies just kind of chained and floating there. And, you know, like, uh, and, and Tina's rightfully saying, it's like, we have limited air. Let's get the fuck out of here. This is messed up. You know, it's one of those situations. Wait, how are they um, talking to each other? Can, can, did, is there like microphones? Are they able to, or are they writing to each other? What What's going on? They, they have like little headsets that they can communicate with each other with. And he's got like a little drone too, because kind of the thing of the movie is it's, it's kind of told from, it's almost like it's done in a, in a style, not found. Well, kind of like found footage. Like it's like the drone is recording everything and kind of what you're seeing in a lot of cases, what the drone is seeing. Okay. Um, it's, uh, I like, I like the element of it. I think they did a really good job because it's ne there's never been a haunted house set in a setting like this. Um, but it has two of my biggest pet peeves in movies in general, and you know, and I and I don't, really, or at least in horror movies, and I don't like either one of these things they included. At one point, or the the drone found footage aspect is fine. But it does like all these movies where it gets to the point where, you know, when they're really swiveling around and it's supposed to be like super crazy to instead of like, you know, a movie like we just brought up, you know, Robert Eggers and the Northman, he like lingers on the, the scene and kind of, you know, and whenever the frenetic energy kind of kicks in, he does things with a camera that keeps it still enough to where you can tell what's going on, but moves it enough to where it gives like a sense of action, you know, with just the camera movement. The thing I hate about, found footage movies is they they substitute out like the moving for just shaking the camera up a bunch oh, so yeah. that it looks like there's a bunch of shit going on and it just i don't know to me it makes me kind of queasy just trying to watch it yeah it's like, you know stop this i don't even know what's going on you know um 
So it's got a little bit of that going on. But the biggest thing I hate about this, and it's not in a whole lot of horror movies, but and the, the thing that I I seen it first in Night of the Demons, the nineteen eighties version, and it, and it kind of lingers on this day, is it has that when you don't have ability to keep your or a reason to keep your people inside of a certain location or a really good one, you just throw up magical walls and they can't get out. So that's what this movie does. Whenever you know Tina has that idea to leave, and she finally convinces Ben to go along with her. They, when they go to leave, now there's suddenly walls surrounding every open window, door, and all that to get out of the place. Like, there's no way for them to get out. And I just, I hate that shit. Like, all they had to do is just basically have a part of the house crumble and trap, you know, trap them inside, yeah. and that would have saved it. But no, it's, you know, now there's a magical wall that popped up where the window was at. And I just, I, I think it's late. I just don't, I mean, it kind of takes me out of the movie. I'm like, you could have came up with some other thing to kind of, you know, keep your protagonist you know kind of in this bad situation um i don't know what what do you feel about those things i don't like magical walls um i think i would have been okay with like i don't know because you could still break a window and get yourself out you know but like if a door is jammed you know and they're underwater so anything could cause a door rusty you know Doors well, just they have, they have that on the main door. Like it's there's a bunch of like growth and stuff that's like happened in front of the house to keep them from using the main door out of the house. So that's good. That's yeah. you know, that's well thought out. I feel like that but would work. If you wanted to go the super well, you're obviously going supernatural because it's it's a ghost it's a it's a haunted house under the water, but like a siren, maybe, to kind of lure maybe she could only lure the guy because the guys are the idiots that go, he's already an idiot in this film. <laughs> but a hot ghost a ghost siren you know that's like keeping him there he's entranced and he's like no i want to stay because i want to stay and she's like well peace out then brother and she's kicking in a window to get herself to safety you know i got got something going back to our cold open discussion uh you won't be alone it's just kind of because all the guys that die in the movie are literally that it's just like they see like this naked chick like walking through the woods and they're like oh, i'm gonna fuck that you know and then of course <laughs> they get killed by this hag that's like you know in the in you know in the woods and i'm like that's how guys go out you tale know? as old as time okay <laughs> and and look at to be fair to be fair yes i could totally see even my husband any guy is gonna go for that you are easily distracted by boobs it doesn't matter what they look like small big hanging up to your neck you know women would see an animal and their toxic trait is thinking that oh they could go pet that animal you know and if i go out trying to hug a thousand pound plus bear then that's how i fucking go okay (laughs) don't judge but but I agree with you as far as like keeping them inside the beast. I mean, they, they could have done like a numerous other things that I, I think that's such lazy filmmaking. Like whenever they, they say, well, uh, you suddenly can't get out cause there's, you know, the walls are impassable now for no apparent reason. You know? Yeah. Maybe the freaking uh, woman kicks a window to try to escape and maybe she gets caught trying to get out of the window and she gets stuck there and dies, you know? Yeah, and they even have, like, a scene where this, like, really large fish, like, swim, swim through there. It's kind of like their, it's their version of, like, the, the cat that suddenly appears off, you know, from off frame and, like, you know, give you the jump the jump scare part of it. Yeah. They could have had, like, a like a predatory animal or something or a fish underwater that was kind of like they, if they tried to leave, like, it was going to, you know, attack them as they left. I mean, that would have been reasonable or at least you know plausible well yeah and we all know that the creepiest creatures are deep deep 
in the waters. They are the deeper you are, the uglier they are. So that would have worked really well. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a bunch of different ways they could have gone with that part of it. And I just, when I saw it, I'm like, oh, great. You know, and, uh, but, you know, other than that, I mean, I do really think that it's a, it's, it's a fresh take, a haunted house genre just because of the setting. And, um, and I enjoyed it. I mean, it was a recommendation by Don and I, you know, appreciate, uh, him kind of, you know, telling me about it. So, cause I'd heard a few things before that, but I was like, you know, since he mentioned it, I, I went ahead and checked it out and I was really impressed. Um, I'm going to give it the Nick Cage rating of prisoners in a ghost land. Uh, that movie is not really good, but it's kind of like, you know, well known for its, uh, it, you know, interesting visuals. And that's kind of what I feel like this movie's really got going for it is the, just the different setting and just like how they, they did like the, the visuals of the house underwater and, you know, and that, that was really interesting. Yeah. It sounds really good. As soon as you kind of, I got the basic synopsis of what this film was. I'm like, this sounds actually really good. And being underwater or even suffocating underwater or being stuck underwater is something that fucking terrifies me. Well, it's it's the suffocation aspect. It's like a building anxiety on the back end. But then you got the fact that there are actual like ghosts, like uh, and they're they're not just like spiritual ghosts. They're like you know corpse ghosts. Like if you want to think of them that, they're like spirits, but they've got you know like almost like zombie form, not quite. And the fact that whenever the the you know actors or the actor and actress are trying to get away from them, and you're underwater, so your movement is slow. Oh yeah, I mean that really adds to the tension of it because I mean they can't just run away. I mean anytime they go to move, it's just they you know they can go into different places that a person wouldn't normally be able to go, like you know way up to the ceiling or whatever. But that doesn't really help when the ghost can too. So yeah, um, it's 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 an interesting take on it. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, do we want to talk about a, another possible attack of the bees of a different <laughs> type of hunted object? Let's 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 do it because I mean we we mentioned uh, you know uh, a recommendation, so like let's uh, see what this is about. Hey, for everyone listening, this is a listener that wanted to give their own review of something that we toggled. Well, not we. There is no we in this. I was not going to watch this at all. <laughs> No fucking way, you sickos! You know what? Let's just let's just let the the listener take it from here. The movie that I am going to be reviewing today is something that the doctor didn't want showing up in his browser history. It's called Amityville Vibrator, written and directed by Nathan Rumble. It is starring Corella Waring, Mallory Maneater, oh, yeah, Emily Hilborn. Ashley Marie Short, Amanda Bell, Lauren Abbott, Brian Paparanda, Sadie Tate, and Steve Nolan. After a breakup, a woman buys a used vibrator from a garage sale that just so happens to be possessed by Satan. It's dumb, there's a good amount of gore, an excess of nudity, flying dildos with a murderous ventriloquist dummy named Spanky, and satanic rituals. A great, weird face-skinning scene where the puppet dons a man's face and then rides a woman's guts. There's not really a plot behind the Satan Possessed Vibrator. If you love B-level horror porn and have 90 minutes to kill, then this one's right up your alley. It's fun, gory, and stupid. I couldn't find what kind of production budget the creator was working with, 
but you can tell that they were operating off of a shoestring. I mean, literally, there was a flying vibrator floating around with fish line. As far as the acting is concerned, I can say only one thing, that it's fucking laughable. At one point, I think I saw the actors reading the cue cards off camera. <laughs> and as far as the talent is concerned, if Marilyn Manson groupies are your thing, and I'm not talking about the big titty to viral wannabes, but more like they could have been doing meth on set in between takes, then you're really going to enjoy this little gem. Um, on IMDb, its official rating is 5.9 stars coming from 83 votes. Me, I am giving it three eggplants. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Holy oh, shit. That's, that's, that's the best. I absolutely love that. You know, and I want to <laughs> say that there is no way in hell that a woman would ever buy a used vibrator at a garage sale. But you know what? Um, being lonely will do some shit to you, I guess. Um, hold I guess. on. Yeah, I'm looking for, I'm trying to find if there's any kind of budget. Hold on. Let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah if, he's right. I mean, there's a million, one. if that had a million dollar budget, I am going to be so pissed. <laughs> Oh, you know what? I apparently when I typed in budget car automatically came in there. Budget car? Like, no. That's not at all what I meant. Five out of ten stars. Let me see this. I mean, all they say is low budget, but they don't say how, like what the budget was. And and apparently, <clears throat> uh, there is no, like you can get by skirting the IP or Amityville because it's a town and not necessarily, I mean, if you're just naming it something, so that's how these movies are being made like this. So if anybody out there who's listening has an idea for an Amityville movie, just go ahead and make it because they made this one and you know, it's out in the world now. Oh my God. There is fucking the, the site I'm on right now, the gore that they are showing is fucking insane. <laughs> It looks pretty good. So for a low budget film, I'll have to send you a screenshot of what I looked at. But oh my god, yeah. So no, no one's no one's giving a budget on it. Which is, come on now, the people want to know. I don't know of a good segue from that. So we're just going to move away from the the vibrator and let <laughs> it just leave it be. We're just going to um, vibe along. <laughs> but but thank you for that review. That was. That was amazing. I love it. You know, he said three uh, eggplants, right? Was it three out three of five? Eggplants, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's got to be three out of five because that would be the uh, unofficial. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got a visitor at the door. So before we get in the discussion about uh, the house on Haunted Hill, the reason that, I, I mean, it's really easy to, to mix this and the Haunted Hill house up. And I want to get into the reason why I think that is. Um, so William Cast definitely read the novel of the Shirley Jack, the haunting of Hill house shortly after it was released. And he had the idea to do, uh, this, his version of the house on Haunted Hill. Uh, you know, he got that, he got that idea from that novel before the rights were ever, uh, bought to actually make the haunting, you know, which is actually based on the book. So he read the book, He's, and, and that's the reason you have the, the caretakers that want to get out before, you know, it becomes dark. There's that aspect of it. Um, 
there's people inside of a house that are kind of, you know, that are a disparate group of people that are, you know, there, you know, uh, for different reasons, um, and, and kind of matching the book. And so there's, there's, there's reasons and there's even characters, I believe that's that, you know, kind of similar, like there's, uh, there's the character of, uh, Nora who is, uh, in this, in, at least in the original, who is, kind of like nail. Like, I mean, she's kind of an analog for nail. She's kind of the one who's, who's being a puppet for whatever, you know, like in the haunting, it was, you know, either her mind or, you know, the, the ghost of the place that was kind of using her to her own benefits. And this it's uh, she's being gaslit by both of the, you know, main, you know, like the main characters, the Lawrence as they were. So uh, there's a lot of similarities. I think he just basically took the haunting of Hill house and, and kind of ripped, things out of it and made a movie before the rights got distributed to somebody else. Um, what do you think about that, Urena? I don't... Is no comment an option? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's our internet again. Okay, I lost you for just a second. Um, okay. I want to... I want I know I keep saying this, but I hope it'll be worth it, but I want to wait till, like, both have been reviewed. Okay. Okay. So I'll go over the the uh, original by okay. William Castle. Yes. <clears throat> so the House on a Haunted Hill, nineteen fifty nine, directed by William Castle. Uh, principal players are the late great Vincent Price, uh, played or who played Frederick Lauren, who is either the protagonist or antagonist, depending upon you know how you view him in the movie. Um, he he's. He's a horror legend. I mean, there's there's not much you you could say uh, you know about Vincent Price that you know. I mean, just here's a list of some of the ones that he was in. You know, and a lot of these got remakes later. He was in the original House of Wax. He was in The Fly. He was in uh, the Abominable Doctor Fibes, The Last Man on Earth, which got turned into the Omega Man, which got turned into I Am Legend, or I guess was it is it I Am Legend or Legend? Or, I Am Legend. I guess. I am legend with Will Smith, which, you know, whatever the slap her around the world. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> he was, uh, he was a uh, witch finder general, uh, tales of terror, theater of blood from whisper to a scream. Uh, he was in several different things by Tim Burton. He was in Edward Scissorhands. He was the narrator for the little short that Tim Burton did called Vincent. And of course, he was the voice that, that you hear on Michael Jackson's thriller. I mean, and that's, that's iconic, you know, the, well, the yeah, whole... cause wasn't Michael Jackson even not, well, I guess he was, he was known, but I don't think he was that big yet. He on his own, he was not known. Like that was his breakout. I'm sure. Like, I mean, thriller is, is and remains one of his biggest hits. Yeah. But to get Vincent Price, I don't know. I don't know. He, he I want to know what Vincent Price saw. In that, that was like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna do this. <laughs> but you gotta admit, I mean that um, that little rap that he does, like you know, to when he's doing the incantation that brings up zombies, like yeah, if he if Price wasn't doing that, it wouldn't be nowhere near as popular as it is today. No, not at all. And the 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 sound of his voice, the creepiness in it, the the acting, you can see his face while he's just saying it, like he. You know, I've never actually seen a recording of him doing it. I, I, there's probably one that exists. There, but. There's one where they had him, I think it's Johnny Carson. It was 
talk show host who had him read it. And, and to his credit, it literally looks like he had it memorized completely. And like, wow. I mean, it didn't, uh, he didn't look like he was reading off a cue card. It, uh, once he got started, he just repeated all of it. It was, but what did like his face look like? Did he look like he was acting it while he was reading it? He kind of had that, like he, like he always did, like his face was kind of drawn down and like he, you know, had real serious oh, yeah. look, like, you know, he, to me, Vincent Price always looked like what Dr. Strain was meant to look like. You know, yeah. he has this wizard-like look to his face. Oh, yeah. Um, and then his laugh. Especially, yeah. The laugh. Especially in his older years, he had that look to him, like this wizened old sorcerer or something, you know, that sort of thing. And, yeah. then, you know, he always had the pencil-thin mustache. And um, something that I've noticed, though, like, you know, uh, with this movie that, that I've always kind of thought about, but like it was the house on haunted Hill that really brought it out for me. He has really, I mean, like I was sitting there wondering when I was watching that, it's like, was Vincent price. I mean, there was, you know, I'm sure there was rumors he was gay, but like, I mean, he gave me the vibe that he, you know, like there's some scenes he was like, he could really push the masculine side of things. Like he was kind of, um, he was like really, you know, like forceful and, and, know and and really intent with some of his delivery and then um there was other times where he was almost catty you know like you know that 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 lit you still there yeah okay i lost you for a second okay it, it went paused um so what i was wondering is that like whenever i was watching the the house on haunted hill the original um, there's kind of a, a, you know, duality to Vincent Price, like, you know, kind of his, like, you know, there's a, he's has like a real masculine menace at times. And then other times he's got, you know, more of a catty nature to him. <laughs> and, um, I kind of looked it up just to see, because it was kind of made me curious and it actually his daughter revealed that he was bisexual. So that kind of huh. fits like, you know, that, that he would have been that way. Um, cause he definitely was able to deliver both sides. And I mean, it kind of depends on what movie you've seen by him, but I mean, especially in some of the, uh, Edgar Allan Poe, like stories that he's done or whatever, he's kind of gotten more that, you know, that, that, you know, sinister, but like almost a, a feminine vibe to him in certain scenes. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. Um, we have Carol Omar in this film playing Annabelle Lauren, who is the antagonist or tragic heroine, depending upon how you view her in the movie. Um, she was in uh, the movie Spectre of Edgar Allan Poe and uh, in Spider Baby, which we will be covering at some point uh, it, during the slasher season because uh, I kind of consider it like a, a lead into the slasher movies, but kind of interesting that she was in that. Uh, we have Richard Long, who is uh, Lance, uh, who is uh, playing Lance Schroeder, who is a test pilot slash bumbling idiot that gets trapped every few minutes in a bunch of secret rooms. <laughs> Ooh, got it. Hey, you have to have that though, because how else are they going to advertise what the house is capable of? Oh, it's so dumb. Like I, I, I don't remember. I don't know when Scooby Doo started up, but I was honestly considering whenever I was watching this, I was like, did they base Scooby Doo off the House on Haunted Hill? Because he, he literally acts like Shaggy in the sense that every time something op opens up, he's like trapped behind a wall and kind of like you know out of commission for like long stretches. Movie. No, sir. Um, I okay. Oh, actually, no. I believe you are right. So this is 1959. Yes. Scooby-Doo first came to light in 1969, which are we surprised? 
<laughs> no, no, not not at all. So, yeah, I I really feel like this movie might have like been part of the inspiration for who the original writers were for Scooby Doo. I don't know. I, I'll have to do some research on that, but it just kind of gives me a. I mean, after seeing some of this nonsense in this movie. I'm going to jump ahead um, real quick, and I know I shouldn't, but I have to, and we can discuss it more if we want to when the time comes, but you're saying Scooby-Doo, and I'm really hoping it's just jogging something in your head right now when you go to the 1999 film, and there is a scene that is legit. They have Scooby-Doo music and everything. It's not the actual Scooby-Doo song, but they are, it's, it's I don't want to say the character's name, but Price basically going around looking through doors and stuff. And I'm like, what is this Sco Scooby-Doo music? <laughs> Scooby-Doo situation going on? What the hell? Like, it was horrible. But anyways. They, yeah. I mean, It wasn't horrible. It was actually was, hilarious. Th this movie was like literally a lot of Scooby-Doo at times. Like this test pilot guy, he's always like, what does do? And he pulls like a lever and then he goes into a wall and like disappears. Like, I mean, he does that like three or four times in the movie. Um <laughs> We have uh, Carolyn Craig, who plays Nora Manning. Uh, she's the gaslit pawn. She's the nail of the movie. She's kind of just the one who is being utilized to uh, do the killing for the Lawrence, either you know toward Vincent Price or Carol Omarts. Um, we have Alan Marshall playing David Trent, a co-conspirator and shady psychiatrist. We have Julie Mitchell playing Ruth Bridgers, uh, which is a, basically a waste of space. She's <laughs> just an older woman in the movie that does nothing. Like, I don't know what purpose she served. She stands around in scenes, kind of lends like this old, like, you know, I don't know, like creepy woman vibe to like the proceedings, and that's it. Like, she does nothing in the movie. Um, she was in the Ten Commandments originally, though, the, the one with Charlton Heston. And uh, this was her last film, so that's... I guess, you know, a little bit of trivia. Wait, did she have a, a few films before that? Uh, what's that? Oh, I, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, yeah. did what she have it? a few films before that? Or was this her yeah, one and only? No, I'm just saying that she was in the Ten Commandments is like her big film. Like oh, all okay. these actors and actresses were in like, like all, like there's a time period. I, I got to throw this out there because I get it. This is going to be a big thing during 13 Ghosts. Like trying to review these movies, like, you know, that were made in like the 50s and 60s. Every actor in those movies uh, or actress, it's it's. There's only like three genres that, that seem that movies to have back in those days. It was uh, uh, film noir with the text stories. It was um, war movies, or it was westerns. That's literally all you had for like years, apparently, because that's all these actors and actresses did for like a long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> But no, this movie in particular was her, was Julie Mitchum's last movie. Okay. Uh, we have Elijah Cook playing Watson Pritchard, who is who reminds me a lot of Tim Conway, like just the way the dude looks, like kind of his goofy, like you know, just demeanor. Uh, maybe a little bit of Don Knotts thrown in there, and he's annoying as fuck in this movie. Like he is the most annoying Doom prophet in a movie I've seen yet. You know, the the person in the movie that's always like. You're gonna die. You're gonna <laughs> die. We're all gonna die in this house. Like this guy's annoying as fuck. Like I mean, just ridiculous. Um, he was previous. He was also in a uh, horror film related. He was in Messiah of Evil and Dead of Night, were the other two movies he was in. Um, we have Howard Hoffman playing Jonas, the creepy caretaker. Mm -hmm. He was in a horror film called Macabre, and then. 
have Leona Anderson, who plays Mrs. Sleeds or Slides, who's uh, the other creepy character, and this was her last film. So this they ended out on a weird one, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe they're like, this is bullshit. I'm fucking done. <laughs> so the synopsis that I came up with is a group of people are invited to a macabre party thrown by an eccentric millionaire for his wife in a house with a dark history and it's presumed haunted. They are pawns in a game of cat house between the millionaire and his wife as they try to kill one another. Um, there is Scooby-Doo antics. You know, I wrote this before and I stand by it. Uh, a real skeleton marionette. The skeleton in this was a real one. And um, a vat of acid and a raving idiot round out the proceedings <laughs> with a raving idiot being Pritchard. Um, just my thoughts on this. This movie's interesting for Price's performance as he alternates between the flamboyance of the sinister, like I discussed previously, um, and his interactions with Carol Omar are the best in the movie, uh, just because, you know, it, the two of them, you know, snipping and sniping at each other as they're trying to, like, you know, uh, kill one another. Basically, they're in this loveless, you know, marriage where they're just trying out of it. I guess in a time before prenups were a thing, um, and it, but the rest of the movie is pretty forgettable camp. I mean, it's there's a reason MSK uh, three thousand or the guys who used to be in that. that I think it's Rift Tracks now is what yeah. they go by. There's a reason why they chose this movie as like one of their biggest ones to make fun of. Because I mean, I, I watched this movie once just with their commentary in the background, and they're a hundred percent. Like it's there's stupid fucking shit throughout this movie. I mean, it's like William Castle was more about the schlock. He wasn't really about the story. And I mean, there's just like the effects are not that good. Like randomly, like there's supposed to be um, like the Mrs. Sleeds character is supposed to be a uh, is, is supposed to be blind or something, and randomly she'll just be floating through a scene to scare like you know the uh carolyn craig's character uh and and just i don't know it's 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 laughable when you're watching it i mean it really is i'm sure some people like it for the camp but i don't really like this movie at all is that your is that your unofficial like that's my unofficial before we get to the ratings i i really did not like this movie watching it no i'm uh, gonna did you did, oh go ahead did you end up watching no, and I'm glad I didn't. Um, and I'll t and I'll tell you why. I've seen this movie before. I've seen this movie a few times before. So I'm going purely off of memory, and apparently nothing has changed, which is ironic because watching the other movie another time, um, things have changed. Now, I'm gonna throw this in from when I was watching this again with my grandma Beans, who used to love watching horror films. Um, I'm gonna say that for the time. It was pretty decent. Like, they didn't have a lot to work with back then, you know? And I was a little in watching this, and as a little in, it got me, you know, a, a little bit. The little schlockiness and stuff like that. And a lot of, um, I don't know, uh, tension building because, again, they didn't have a lot to work with. So they had to use the music, the scenery, um, you know, they had to build up a lot. And that worked for me back then. Um, now, as an older person watching it, not going to go over very well, you know? I'm going to counter that by saying if you just go back, at this point, it would probably been like at least a decade, maybe two, to the Universal Horror movies, like the originals. They had a lot less to work with, and they did a lot better job. True. So. Yes. True, true, true. <laughs> um, so, I guess... Having not watched it recently, I'm gonna. I, I would like to start the reviews 
or the end of the, well, was it, it'll be kind of unofficial for me because I didn't give it another go round. But I would say, oh, man, I'm going to go two out of five. <laughs> um, if you give my, me to give my rating right now, I can. I don't, it's whatever you want me to do. Yeah. Or wait till the oh, end. Oh, or do you want to wait to the end? And we can do that. Um, I can go ahead right now. It's a two out of five for me. Oh, okay. I mean, for sure. I, I mean, like I said, I, I appreciate Price's performance uh, in particular, but I mean, and him and Omar, but those are the only two things I really liked about it at all. Yeah, um, and I didn't watch this, excuse me, when I was previously watching these films, I have never watched anything with Vincent Price in it just because he was in it. I'm, I appreciate his work. I'm not a fangirl, though, where I'm just like, oh, I'm just, he's in it. Like, we gotta watch it. And, you know, you don't have to do shit. You know, do you want to watch it? Um, yeah. Or is it well, on the TV? Thing, the thing about Price is he was in a lot of crappy movies, like, later on in his profession. Like, you know, before he, like, Thriller was kind of a mini comeback for him. Like, if you watch some of the movies that he did, like, I want to say the late 70s, they're they're very diminishing quality when it comes to that. He was still decent in them himself. Like his acting was still good, but like the movies were just complete and utter trash. I mean, not to say this one was great, but like, you know, his Edgar Allan Poe movies that he did for a while, I think maybe with Roger Corman and, uh, you know, um, I, I might be misquoting the actor on those. Like, and then some of the other ones he did in the time period, uh, were were excellent. That's the reason he's a household name. But I mean, like, there, he definitely had like very big dips in his you know career. Yeah, I mean, he. I want to say that his his popularity was there because in Hollywood, when when you were a household name, you know, clearly people wanted everything that you were in. But I really want to say, I mean, his popularity definitely grew after Thriller. And oh, he was yeah, able to reach sure. way uh, more I of mean, an audience. And, and a lot of people went back and they started rediscovering him that, you know, maybe didn't give him a chance before. So, I mean, and he had the look and he had the sound. Like he, Vincent Price had a really interesting way of speaking that, I mean, that's why he was picked for all those Edgar Allan Poe movies. It was like, it was kind of drawn, thought out, uh, kind of a slower pace to it, uh, very meticulous whenever he went to speak. So, I mean, more theatrical in that nature. Absolutely. Um so the budget for this for the 1959 original was uh, 200,000. Uh they ended up making 2.5 million, so that was a real good turnaround for that movie. Yeah. Um and I do have some trivia about it if you want me to go over that. Let's do um, it. So Castle and this is what the discussion about the bringing the schlock back to the theaters. Castle was uh, known to rig up uh. a device in select theaters to send a fake skeleton flying over the crowd as they watched the movie. Um this Amergo, as he called it, equipment uh, was used for this stunt, and, and uh, that was used for this stunt still exists, and it's used for special showings of the movie today. That would be so fun. I'm not even gonna lie. Like, okay, Ugh, I don't want to talk about in movies. For like, if my kids got to experience that, that would be so great. My daughter would probably be thoroughly unimpressed. Like, oh my god, this is so stupid. Oh my god, emo angst, you know. And my son would be absolutely terrified. <laughs> Um, I think it, I mean, it would definitely, it, it's kind of like when people go back and they retro uh, watch now, like that, that so bad, it's good movie, The Room, I believe it's the name of, uh -huh. and they throw spoons at the, you know, the screen every time the spoon is mentioned in it. Like that's just like the crowd emphasis would add to the movie more yeah. than just watching it, you know, in that sense. Um, 
this film's success was actually what spurred Alfred Hitchcock into making his own low-budget horror film, Psycho. Okay. He was on the fence about, like, venturing into movies. He saw what this did. He was like, well, if they can do that with what they made, then I can do better. So, hmm. Okay. <laughs> Um, as previously mentioned, um, it's cheap. As we previously mentioned, I believe it was in Poltergeist. It's actually cheaper to use real skeletons as props than to make them. So the skeleton you see in the movie is a real one. I I don't fucking buy it. I mean, maybe back then it, it was a thing. I, I'll give them that. Back in the day, yeah, because I'm sure there's a lot of craft that went into making a skeleton look real for a movie. Nowadays, you can 3D print that shit. <laughs> Well, that's true, but it might take it takes a lot of filament or resin to make that too, so it might still true. be pricey. Hmm. I don't um, buy it. I mean, you're using tag. my skeleton in a horror film. I'm going to charge top dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Your family is getting residuals yes. for the rest of their lives. One hundred percent. The opening scare tactic of showing a black screen with screams. Um, and such, you know, kind of rattling chains, screams, uh, moans and cries. Uh, it was, is reportedly the inspiration for the scary sound records that they used during Halloween. Like when they saw how effective that was, people started printing out records with just those like, sounds on them and like we started selling them for Halloween parties. Okay. 13 out of 10. So annoying for me. Like <laughs> it, it's fun. I get it because we do like we do nothing but starting in September, we turn on Halloween radio on Pandora. Pandora, we are looking to not only be sponsored, but can you get our podcast on your freaking platform, please? <laughs> Damn. But anyways, back to the topic at hand. Um, so, and that will come on quite a bit, obviously, just, you know, ooh, and spooky noises and stuff. And I fucking hate it. It really adds to the effect of fall, though. So I will give it that. But I don't it's, like it. And when I was hearing it in the film, from the old films and even the new films, when they do that shit, I'm like, are you fucking for real right now? Yeah, this one was real bad with it because it's just a little black screen for like, a, you know, I want to say two or three minutes and it's nothing but just, you know, those classics, you know, like a, a female high-pitched scream or, you know, like, you know, like that stuff for like, you know, minutes. And I'm just yeah. like, come on. Well, I want to give it doing? this. Is that in the 1959 film, and I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, at least at minimum, what I will give it is it is it the way that it it's introduced and fades out is a lot smoother than in the newer film where it's there, it's loud, it's suddenly playing, and then it's like somebody hits stop on the record player or on the fucking tape player, and, and then it just ends. That's true because in the original one where they fade into like the floating heads, Furch of uh, uh, Pritchard or whatever, and uh, then, you know, to Vincent Price, it's, uh, you know, uh, Lauren, you know, Frederick Lauren's character. Um, they, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, you know, prologue to the, you know, to the book, as it were. Like if you were reading a book, it's like a short little snip and then like it leads into those floating heads. So. Yeah, it's very tastefully done versus... Later films, which we will discuss. <laughs> um, we, I, we, you know, Elvira was once stated as uh, saying that this was her favorite film, surprisingly. I mean, you know what? Do you, boo? She is the queen of Halloween, okay? And I'm not here to dispute that. She likes what she likes, and it's a pretty, pretty cool movie for its time. I mean, yes, there are other ones that you mentioned were done better, and I don't know. Maybe there's just something different about 
this one that she saw something that I was like, nope, this is it. This is the film. I'm, to me, I want to say that I think what she saw in it, I, I think, I mean, I, I can't speak for it. I mean, you know, she was always about the camp aspects of a lot of movies whenever she was doing her show. So I think she appreciates the campier parts of it. Um, and I would, I would imagine, you know, the Vincent Price of it, you know, like how, you know, his That's what I'm thinking. and all that. Yeah, I'm thinking it's the Vincent Price of it. You know, whatevs. Uh, the 10K uh, offered to each of the guests in the movie is the equivalent of $92,000 as of 2021. So there's there's inflation for you folks. Yeah, I wonder what the 10K would be for 1999 when the, when, that, when the other film was made or the remake of it and how they were getting a million in that film. So clearly... Uh, they definitely grossly inflated it for that movie. Yes, for sure. Well, a million dollars because you got to make it... I don't know, like 10,000 back in the day sounded like a lot. If they did 990,000, you know, for yeah, this one, you, we'd be uh, like, oh, uh, how about you just make it a million, you know? And you got, you got to remember back in the 50s, they, they were still kind of tied to the gold standard a little bit. So money actually meant something, you know, back then. I mean, that was, it was, I think, Nixon that completely took us away from the gold standard. So that was a few years removed. Hmm. So, I mean, 10, 10K would have been a big deal back in those days. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, this film is part of the public domain because the original copyright holder failed to renew their copyright. Oh, shit. <laughs> so we talked about, you know, mentioned in passing that it's unfortunate that, you know, the copyright got missed on Romero's Night of the Living Dead. That's the reason that's copyright public domain. But this movie is just literally because they forgot to renew it. Okay, so <laughs> does it remain public domain forever or can somebody come in and just copyright it it's it's public domain after that point forever but the thing is what's weird about it is wb does hold the official rights to the movie so okay. you can make it you can you can use it but wb somehow owns like ownership of it. i don't know how that even works but yeah that's, that's, that's what interesting maybe in terms of okay correct me if i'm wrong but if they own it yes you can remake it but like if you're going to play it anywhere for a viewership or anything they would get any kind of royalties or something like that i don't know because it being public domain i think they wouldn't but it's just that you wouldn't be able to turn around and market it you know yeah like that marketing is on their sites i don't know i don't know how that works it's really weird okay yeah yeah whatevs you guys are weird. <laughs> movie film people you guys are weird i'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> um they're asking for a curse this- to be placed upon them you know that right just What's that? They're asking for a curse to be placed upon them when they're not giving people their dues. Like, for instance, uh, whoever made, oh, let's go up to who made the film, uh, directed by we, William Castle. Well, okay, we'll, yeah, we'll just William throw William Castle. Castle, okay? His family and, and their royalties. You know, I'm sure they're doing perfectly fine, but. Well, you know. William Castle was also behind Rosemary's Baby. So, I mean, you know, it, it, there's uh, the man. A thing or two about curses, regardless. Yeah, dead, you know. <laughs> um, I do have to say though, before I read the rest of this trivia, just something that come back to me now is the theme when the movie starts out when they're rolling, you know, up to the you know the house on you know haunted hill or whatever, and uh, and and they're in the you know falling behind the hearse and all that. Like the theme music to this movie is not bad. Actually has a theme to it, and it's it's one of the better ones in that time period. So I got to give the you know the composers credit for that. Like the it's a it's an interesting theme um, as far as the music goes. Yeah. 
uh, Alan Marshall uh, suffered a heart attack on stage during a May West play and died after the evening or that evening uh, later in his room. So, uh, wow. the, you know, one of the actors in this movie. Um, well, we know May West was quite the character. So <laughs> I wonder yeah. if she triggered that heart attack. I don't know. She was a, she was a definitely a sex pot back in her days. So she wasn't wasn't she like either bi or lesbian? So I she wasn't even interested in the story. men, I but feel she like was I'm speaking out of turn when it comes to that part of it. But I, I do know she was like well known for like being you know like a, a you know very out there when a time wouldn't you know normally a thing. So. Yeah, she was a loose uh, woman. <laughs> uh, Vincent Price's dialogue It's Close to Midnight Lance was used as a lyric in Michael Jackson's thriller. Oh, nice. Because, you know, it starts out, it's close to midnight. Yeah. You know, it's oh out that God. way. So the main image in the display advertising uh, in the display uh, showed a woman hanging from a noose with the other end of the rope held aloft by a gigantic gr- grinning skeleton. It's uh, also included an image of Vincent Price holding a woman's decapitated head by the hair. In 1959, some newspapers judged the image too gruesome for publication, uh, and exhibitors were encouraged to play it. The movie was so frightening that even the ads couldn't be shown. So oh, my they, uh, God. So, I mean, Castle was the, the, the absolute, I'll give him credit. I mean, even if he made shitty movies, he was the absolute master of marketing because whenever they refused to, like, you know, print his advertising he was like this movie's so scary they won't even print the advertising for it oh my god <laughs> you, you, i'm and i appreciate that like i have so much respect for that and the amount of kids that were just like oh i'm gonna go see this movie don't tell mom and dad you know <laughs> yeah that's it's just amazing that i mean turn into something like that and i'm just like good on you that's that's perfect well this is before the 60s too so this is the point where uh skirts were as high as to almost your knees ladies um so ankles were on full display at this point <laughs> and there was just whores running around everywhere <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. Speaking of that, but uh, Carolyn Craig's only <laughs> acting credits uh, prior to the prior to this were for two short-lived TV shows. The names of the characters that she played, Lorna Harris and Lucy Manning, were combined to make her character's name Nora Manning. Okay, so that's kind of so they just you know took her character's previous name. That's pretty funny. And she was actually in her first trimester pregnancy when this filmed, and her son was born the following May. So wow. she actually was pregnant during the filming of this. Oh my god! Probably barely showing too. Freaking. Yeah, yeah. Like you can't you can't tell at all. Like during the the actual movie. Good lord. Um, but that's all I have for the original. So if you wanna if you wanna take over for the uh, newer movie, uh, have you can have at it. 